0: Well, if you have your Bibles, you don't necessarily have to turn there if you don't want to, or you can, and you can just kind of look through it. We're going to take on a huge section of scripture because I feel like we're going too slow through Matthew. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, we're actually we're actually taking on a huge section of, of healing. And if you remember, 11 weeks ago, we we. of just paused on the fact that jesus on the very first three miracles that jesus did in healing and we spent some time specifically kind of like let's tell these stories and and what's important in them and then let's 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 identify some time let's create some space to just allow people to be prayed um for healing and i understand that some people wherever you are you may this this is uncomfortable and you you struggle with this you're like i I don't know if this still happens. Um, the last time we taught on it, the last time we spoke about it, we proved and showed that, that you can't really believe Jesus can forgive sins and that he's the, the Savior and he's the Lord if you don't really believe that he's capable of healing as well. And so, so I will let you just kind of sit in that. and We'll talk more about the text today. But the story that we're going to look at are four different healings. And they're out of Matthew 9, verses 18 through 35. And I'm actually not going to read them. I'm just going to kind of talk about them a little bit. I would encourage you to go back and read them. Um, Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8 tells a little bit more account of some of the healings here, and so I'll pull from that as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's essentially four different healings, and the way I wanted to talk about them today before we got into some time of prayer is, is, is I think the things that maybe sometimes we think are necessary to heal us and that, yet at the same time, they aren't really necessary. And so I think there's four accounts. and each one of these, we can find a, a person that had some expectation of being healed. And they are putting that expectation, that answer, in, in some ways a right way, in other ways a, a wrong way. And just to be really, really clear, I want to again say this. And we said this last time we talked about healing. Jesus' primary focus about healing our life is, is healing us from sin. That is the point, that is the purpose of this Bible, that is the purpose of everything here. And so although we may have physical ailments or, or, or emotional um, pain or relational pain, uh, his, his primary focus is healing us from sin. And that's been the, the goal all along. Now that being said, we can't ignore the fact that he's capable of healing us. And some of us right now, you think about healing, you're like, ah, you know, my shoulder's maybe a little sore, nothing really big, or, or you can't really think about it. All of us have some kind of relationship that needs healing. We have some kind of baggage that needs healing. We have, we have a form of anxiousness or, or a fear in place that God needs to restore of us. And it may not just be a physical ailment, although that's primarily what we're going to look at today. I would encourage you to just, if, if you're starting to stir a little bit and get a little uncomfortable in your seat, I would encourage you to lean into that and let that discomfort come and let, let um, God do something amazing because His Holy Spirit is real and He's alive and, and He desires to heal in all avenues. And some of you, at the very, very, very core of it, you've been, you've been really good at going to church off and on. You've been really good about going to church, period. But you've never really truly surrendered your life. You kind of love this. And I, again, I say it every week. A, a friend of mine, I was able to baptize a while ago. He said, I have always believed by default. And you've just kind of believed by default. And you've never really surrendered your life to this. And, and my prayer is that maybe the healing that God has for you today isn't just some kind of physical ailment, but is the ultimate healing freedom from from the sins in your life, freedom from, from the slavery of sin. And so, so as we dig into these stories and we look at them, I, I just, so again, I want to encourage you guys to know that they, although these are stories, these are, these are this, is, this is coming on the tail end of Matthew, pointing over and over and over again that Jesus is rightful Messiah, rightful king. He is the one. And so he's, he's proved it through genealogy. He's proved it through, through um, prophecy fulfilled. He's proved it through um, his defeat of, of Satan and the temptation. He's proved it through his teaching. And then now this is just one more way that adds validity and power and truth to the fact that Jesus is who he says he is and he he can do what he says he can do and so we come to this section and this section is is immediately after Jesus was just talking last week last week we talked about it where they the the people were questioning him they were questioning he called Matthew to him and, and and the people were questioning whether or not he was you know wait why are we why are you healing or why are you hanging out with sinners and he's having this whole long conversation and John's disciples come to him And they have this conversation. Like, why, why do you not fast? And so he gives these analogies, talking about like, look, I am not gonna, I'm not gonna be just add on to your religion. I'm not gonna just come into some religious system. Like, I am an entirely different thing. And what we saw out of this is, is he said, I desire relationship, not religion. And we we talked about how Matthew is sitting around a fire again as a disciple, now sitting next to Jesus, going, I don't belong here, yet very welcomed. And so, so he's, it says immediately in this point, someone comes to him. And the first person that comes to him is this guy named Jairus. And now Jairus is, is a synagogue leader. In fact, we find out from the other gospels that he's probably the chief ruler at the synagogue in Capernaum. So this is where Jesus was. And Jairus, is, 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 he's, he's basically a Pharisee by all terms. And he has one daughter. And his daughter is now, we find out in the other gospels that his daughter is 12 years old and that she's lying on a bed, very, very ill, about to die, and so Jairus has two options. He can believe that his, his, his building, his, his, his religious system can heal his daughter, or he can go, wait, there's this guy Jesus. I've heard about it. I know what he's capable of doing. I'm going to go to him. And what Jairus does is, 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 is he recognizes ultimately that a building cannot heal you. Just like a church is not some building that you show up on a Sunday. It's not the point of being the church. It's, 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 it's outside of that. It's why we push you guys to go and, and be the church and serve in the city and not just come to church on Sunday and check that box of, oh good, I got this in place, time card in, time card out. And he basically realizes, in this synagogue leader, he was the, the chief ruler, and at this point Jesus already had some tension, and the Pharisees were already starting to question him, and there were already some disliking. So for Jairus to come to him, he essentially says, I don't care what anyone else thinks about me. I don't care. And he didn't, he didn't come to him in, in, in silence or at the night like we see Nicodemus and another story coming to him and kind of, hey, I want to believe, but I'm afraid of what others will see. He comes in the broad of day amongst the huge crowd right when Jesus has just rebuked in a horrible way the Pharisees. And he comes as, as the guy that ran all of the systems and everything in that synagogue in Capernaum where all those people were. And he comes and it says he knelt down. In, others, in, in other versions, he worshiped Jesus. See, Jairus realized it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And what's sad for me is some of you right now, you have this enslavement, this pain, and you're so afraid of what others may think if you call it to light. You're so afraid of of something in there and and some reputation that you will not release. You will not let go. And Jairus said, I don't care. You can guarantee, we don't get any more of the story, but you can guarantee he had backlash from this. You can guarantee the Pharisees instantly went, whoa, what's he doing? He just worshiped Jesus. You know what's interesting? Acts 19 and Revelation 22, there's two other instances of a man being worshiped, and both times it was rejected. Do not worship me. Do not do this. I am not the one to be worshiped. You know what Jesus did? He received this worship. That right there in itself was blasphemy. That right there was, you cannot receive worship, only God can receive worship, and Jesus received it. Again, solidifying the fact that he was both God and man. And so he receives this worship of Jairus, and he says, he says let's go. Now, the Gospel of Mark and Luke tell us a little bit more of this story, where basically Jesus starts walking with this crowd, and the timelines are, are a little weird, but, but essentially Jairus came, with his, came to Jesus with his daughter still alive, but then word came to him that his daughter had passed. In this moment like your daughter's your daughter's dead and in fact they say do not why, don't even trouble the teacher anymore don't trouble him because obviously you know she's passed and, and part of me feels like maybe some of them said don't go to him because they were afraid of what his reputation might have if he goes to jesus like hey it's, it's not worth it she's already dead like don't don't risk it it's not worth it and at this point jairus had absolutely nothing else to lose This is his daughter at 12. Essentially at 12, she was becoming a woman, and she was going to be married off and and bring him grandkids and everything else. This was his only daughter. And at 12 years old, she's about to pass, and then she passes. And Jairus doesn't care. He still goes to Jesus, and he says, come, heal heal my daughter. And then what Mark tells us, the gospel Mark tells us, is that someone says, don't trouble. And Jesus responds and says, no, no, don't have any fear. Just believe. Just believe, don't, no, no fear, don't even worry about it. let's go, just believe. And it wasn't a long trek, but essentially he walks and he actually only goes with three of his um, disciples in and Jairus and, and holds the crowd back. And he goes to this, this daughter. And the story is, you know, he goes, walks in and he touches her. Now, remember, you don't, he doesn't have to touch her. In fact, we saw when he healed the centurion's daughter, he didn't even go see him. He just said, yeah, it's done. But he walks in and he touches her, which I think, again, is just this, that would have made him ceremonial unclean. That would have made everything wrong except for Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just asleep. You know, in fact, we don't have a single account in here of Jesus doing a funeral. I have one story in all the Gospels where he was actually doing a funeral. In fact, every time he went to a funeral, he broke it up. Ah, they're not dead, let's go. In fact, even in his own funeral, he moved on. Right? Like, I mean, this guy just doesn't do it. Like, so essentially, he, essentially he, he defeats death. And this is the first time he does. And he walks into J.R.S.'s daughter, and he, he picks her up and says, give her something to eat. She's good to go. And he heals her. And so Jesus does this amazing thing where he, he heals someone who had passed, who, who, was, who was dead, and yet she comes to life. Well, while he's on the way walking there there's just this crowd following him because he's he's got all sorts of attention now and this crowd's kind of following him and it's they use the word "thronged" in, in 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 the, in the gospel of luke so kind of people bumping into each other and 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 i'm assuming i spent a little bit of time in israel and if they're anything like they were back then then now they don't really have bubbles and so people are like bumping into each other and no one's really holding doors open for each other i held a door open once in israel and i sat there for probably like 30 minutes like i guess i'm just going to be the door guy because you know no one's going to stop like wait can i get in now no anyways that was Neither here nor there, but but he's running around, and this this we get this other lady 12 years for 12 years, she's bled. 12 years, she's bled. Now, what's what's horrific about this is because of that, she would have been deemed ceremonial unclean. So that means that she was not allowed in the synagogue or the temple. She would not have been allowed to worship. She wasn't even allowed to spend time in the crowd. So even being in this crowd right now, she was breaking rules that could have gotten her stoned to death. And so she's, she's, she's trying to get to Jesus, and, and she has a thought, which the, the, the way that the word or the phrase is, is said is like she's repeating it to herself over and over again. If I can just touch his robe, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I can just touch his robe, this persistence If all I need to do is, is get close enough just to touch his robe. And maybe she's hiding her face because, again, she's in Capernaum, and everyone knows who she is, and so she's trying to hide who she is and get to Jesus and just touch his robe to be healed. And she's 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 so persistent. And she fights her way through the crowd and, and works her way in there. And again, it, she gets all the way up and she touches the fringe of his robe. Now, this is interesting because the fringe of the robe and the, the style of the robe would have essentially meant like these leaders and Jewish leaders and Jewish men wore these robes to, to basically say, I'm Jewish. I am, I am a chosen child of God. And they put this robe on. It would remind them as it was a physical reminder to, to obey God and his laws and to follow him. And so Jesus actually wasn't a nonconformist even in his dress. He dressed like the other religious leaders in that day which is it's just interesting to me and so he he has this fringe of the rope or the robe and and she thinks if I can just touch this tassel there would be like decorative tassels on the end of these robes if I can just touch that I would be healed and she does it and instantly it says instantly the bleeding stops and now what's interesting about this is Jesus turns around and just in Matthew we see he just turns around and says hey you've been healed you're good to go. See you later. But in the gospel of Mark and Luke, we get a little bit more of this story. And I love it because in this moment, she feels the blood stop instantly when she touches the robe. And so in an instant she's like, I'm healed. It happened. It happened. And she's trying to slip away because she knows she's not supposed to be there. She's not even welcome in this crowd. And if she had she had come in to try and touch Jesus, she would have been in a lot of trouble. Everyone that essentially around her would have been ceremonially unclean. They had to go through this whole process just to worship again. And so she's trying to just like, hey, I'm just going to heal and then move on. So she has faith knowing that there's something about Jesus that can heal her. But she has superstition in that she thinks if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And what Jesus does in in Matthew or in Mark and Luke is he stops and he says, hey, someone, someone touched me. Power, power came out of me. And stops this crowd. And It's funny, even the disciples at some point, it's like, there's a billion people around here. Jesus, everyone's touching you. Like, this is out of control. He's like, no, no, someone touched me. Power went out of me and he calls this girl who, who wanted to just touch his robe and disappear, and he calls her to the front, and she comes and falls down before really realizing she's been caught. And I love what he says. He says, have no fear. Have no fear. Stand up. And then he uses, the only time he uses this phrase, the only time he says this ever, he looks at her and says, daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. And what he does, is he says, look, superstition isn't going to heal you. Just like, just like a synagogue or a religious system isn't gonna heal you, superstition and touching my robe isn't gonna heal you. Only I can heal you. And I healed you in this way. And it's your faith that got you there. And so what he does, is he takes this, this woman that had hoped that she would just kind of sneak in and sneak out. And he puts her right in front of this huge crowd and says, you've been healed. And no one knows. I mean, what has she been healed of? Maybe the people that knew, it's like, whoa, wait, okay, I knew that girl. She was, she was bleeding. And what I love, now I'm gonna offend some of you doctors in here if you are in here. I love what Mark says. Mark says she had spent most of her living and all of her time with every single physician and no physician could heal her. And yet Jesus doesn't even, she touches his robe and she's healed. God will use doctors to heal. I, I don't doubt that. God will, God will bring doctors and he's given them wisdom and they've, they've spent time and God will, will, will use the, the, the tools and the necessary things he's put in place. But ultimately, it's God who heals. And the problem is, is that you and I, and I, I did this. When Jen was struggling early on in her pregnancy, I was like, tell me what to do, doctors, I don't care. Like, I was just like at their mercy, like, just fix it. And, and I, I instantly went like, okay, I'm gonna look more at this doctor as my hope than the Lord who created all of this, than the Lord who knit this baby together my mother, in her womb. See, and I think a lot of times we can realize, and, and, and Mark is, is a little bit feistier. Luke, because he was a doctor, says, you know, it was a really hard thing and no doctor could heal it. And so he's trying to save face for the doctors, right? <laughs> and, and, and essentially, what it's saying is, look, a doctor only heals because God is present. The doctors are going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to be trained, and they're going to be able to stitch you up. They're going to take care of things. They're going to pull organs out or do whatever they need to do to help. But ultimately, it's God who keeps that heart going. It's God's choice. Look, a bird doesn't fall from the air, from the air that God didn't know about. Do you think he's confused about you? A superstition won't heal. He made what this girl desired so badly to just be hidden and not embarrassed and not stoned to death. And he brought a right front and center. And I think he did that for a number of reasons. One, because he wanted to say, Look, look, you matter to me. You don't need to just kind of sneak in the back door and say, Hi Jesus, how's it going? Cool. I don't really belong here, but I'm good. He's like, Look, I just Matthew's sitting at the campfire with me. If that dude's welcome, you're obviously welcome. And he made it personal, again, like he always does. And the next one, the next story is he's, he's walking. He's, he's heading to Jairus's house. He, he heals them, and then he's kind of leaving from there. And these, these two blind men start following him, and they, they're yelling at him. Now, this story is one of those ones that you can read into, and I have fun reading into it, because I feel like Jesus is pretty harsh in this one. Because these two blind dudes, now imagine a crowd of people, but these two blind dudes are yelling, son of God, son of God, like trying to get his, his attention. And that, that term in itself is right there, recognizing that he is the Messiah. Now, here's Jesus, who knows the thoughts of people in a room, yet in a crowd can't hear two dudes that yelling at the top of their lungs, son of God. And these men follow him and follow him and follow him. They follow him all the way into, assuming Peter's mother-in-law's house, back in Capernaum, and then they come into the house. These blind men somehow followed the crowd. And I, again, it's not like they had handicapped like, crosswalks and stuff. Like, it was not easy for these guys, you know? And it would have been common for, for blind men to sit with other blind men. It would have been common for them to associate with each other because it was their way of helping each other survive. And so these two dudes are falling, and they're like, Son of God, Son of God. And they like walk into the house, which again is, is kind of interesting. Yeah, well, I guess you're coming in. Okay, cool. And so they show up, and they're in there. And Jesus asked them, I think, the most rude question ever. These dudes have just chased him, you know, tripping over things, picking each other up, dusting off, fighting the crowds, like holding on. They've, they've fought everything they could, yelling the whole time, Son of God, Son of God. And then what they love is they yell, Have mercy on us. See, Jesus had just finished teaching, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So these dudes had it right. Their theology was like right on, like God wants mercy, and and he wants, and he, he's the son of God. Okay, like we're in it. And so they, the whole time, are publicly proclaiming that he's the son of God, and they're pleading with him to have mercy on them, and they have to keep following him. Now, remember, Jesus just got up from an entire crowd to go heal one 12-year-old girl. He left a mass of people that needed healing to go heal this 12-year-old girl. And then along the way, healed a woman. And then these two blind dudes are like trucking along after him and (laughs) tripping over things. And finally they come in and Jesus looks at him and says, do you believe I can do this? That seems so rude. It's like, Jesus, did you not hear what they just said? They were yelling, son of God, of course they believe it. Why do you think they're trying so hard? Why do you think they're chasing you? And he looks at him and says, do you believe I can do this? I just, like, I, I'm sorry, like, I, was he being sarcastic? What's going on? And I think it's really interesting. I think the reason why he asked that question was because he wanted them one last time saying, okay, you've chased me now. Now when it, let's, let's hear, heart to heart, look me in the eyes. Do you really believe I can do this? And I feel like that's a number of us in here. So the, the, the thing that I feel like won't heal you here is laziness. Laziness. I'm not saying you need to go out and do stuff, but I think these guys put a whole bunch of effort. In fact, this, all of these stories are an intense amount of perseverance for healing, right? A, a woman bleeding for 12 years, a, a, a religious ruler ostracizing himself from all of his, his fellow Pharisees, going in and, and worshiping Jesus. Right? This is all hard things. These guys take the cake. These guys are like trucking after him. And he looks at him and says, okay, you've, you've proclaimed it from far. You've been able to say it and kind of walk around the right card. You even know the right things to say. But then he looks them in their eyes, which they can't see, right? And he stares them face to face and says, do you believe that I can do this? See, I feel like that's our problem. That's a lot of us in here. We go to church We think, oh, you know what? You know it's okay. It can happen. Like, we'll just we'll give it a little bit of time, and we we spend some time. We we even quote some verses, and we'll put it up on our Facebook. Like, yes, I'll persevere, and and we do all sorts of kinds like that. But when it comes time for us to sit face to face with Jesus, and He asks you point blank, "Do you believe I can do this?" We kind of shrink back. We go, "Well, I mean, I want to believe, but I I mean, what happens if it it doesn't happen? What happens? Like, then is it not real?" Like God's shaken by our confusion? Like God's shaken by us not knowing for sure? So I think it's a beautiful question. It's not cruel. He makes it a more complete confession. Looks him right in the eye and says, hey, you guys just worked your tail off to get right here. Now, do you really believe I can do this? And they answer the best way ever without hesitation. Yes, Lord. Again, putting themselves underneath him saying, You are over me. We're not worthy. And he heals him just like that. And then tells him not to tell anyone. And and we've talked about that again, so I'm not going to get into it. But there's a number of reasons of possibly why he's telling him not to tell anyone. But the reason why I bring this up is because just like moments later, a mute man is brought to him. And I like to think there's no way for me to know this for sure. But I like to think these two blind dudes, because we know that they, from the other gospels, they went and told everyone, totally disobeyed him there we can see, like, look at this, this guy. And so they totally did it. But I can't help but think, like, they walk up to some guy who's mute and be like, you can't talk, dude? Come here. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let me show you this. And they walked in with him and like, hey, look, geez, we got another one for you. right?" But what's really interesting about a mute man is, is, is that rabbis taught that there was only one way. And this one tells us that he's demon-possessed. And we talked about that again a few weeks ago. But, but the, the rabbi teaching taught us that, or taught them that, that the only way to get a demon to, to leave a person is for, the, for you to ask the demon the name and then you could call it by name and get it out. So therein lies the problem. A mute person had no way of speaking. And so they, they, the demon had oppressed them so much that there was no way for this demon to be extracted. There was no way for them to leave. And so every rabbi, every teacher, every Pharisee, every scribe would have failed miserably at releasing this person. And so a mute person was essentially someone that was going to die possessed and never free. And so they bring this guy in, and and he's just like one word, and he's healed, and he starts talking. And then we hear at the end of this in verse 35, where it's like, and never had they seen this before. We didn't hear that about, you know, Jairus' daughter being raised from dead, but like here, right here, we see, oh my, this is amazing. And essentially what Jesus did is he said, look, your religious systems and your religious leaders won't heal you. It's not going to happen. Like, your system isn't going to do it. I'm going to do it. So not only is your, is your building not going to do it, not only is superstition not going to do it. Look, some of you right now, you're like, I don't believe in superstition. Yeah, you do. It's so many of us do. Like, you won't walk underneath the ladder, right? It's a smart thing not to do, by the way, so just don't <laughs> walk underneath ladders, But but we have them. But I'm saying some of us will do these weird superstitions where we're like, okay, we try, we try and play the. if I just obey God in a few little ways here, then he's more likely to heal me. Right? We, try and, we try and work the system. And it's like, if I, you know, if I say the right prayer here, then, it, then maybe he will heal me. We play it a totally different way. But what he's saying here is he just, he just proved right then and there after just rebuking these Pharisees, he just proved that they didn't have the same power that he had. So then they say the only logical thing that makes sense to them. Well, obviously he's healing, he's casting out demons in in demons' names. Okay, now, maybe I'm rude to the Pharisees because Jesus gives us a lot of reasons to be, but Jesus just raised a little girl from the dead. You know, he calms a storm. He teaches teachings that no one's ever heard before. And then this mute man can speak. And instead of going, wow, this guy's got a lot of power, they instantly assume he's doing it for Satan. Well, he's obviously evil. Yeah, because he's shown so much evil in all of his life. But the reason why I bring that up is some of you right now, you wouldn't say that God is evil because of your circumstance and the length of time that you've been dealing with whatever you need healing from. You treat him as if he's evil. You treat him as if he doesn't care about you. And you assume, well, God just doesn't care about me, so therefore I can go ahead and just, you know, turn my back on him and run from him. Because you're not comfortable. Why did he heal that person? Or why is that so good for that one and it's not good here? Or why did that person get the job? Or, or why is that person married? Or why is their marriage going better? Or why, 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 why? Essentially what you start doing is you turn your back on God. So we see all these accounts. Religious people won't heal you, nor religious system. Superstition, Superstition won't heal you. Laziness won't heal you building can't heal you? It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can heal us. He's the only one that can free us of whatever oppression we're under. He's the only one that can, that can lead us in the right direction. He's the only one. And yet you and I keep going to other things out of fear of what maybe someone may think about us. Some of you, your marriages are on the rocks and you're just, you're holding, you're holding back. You're going, I can't say anything because I don't want to hurt her. Or I don't want to hurt him. Newsflash, you're hurting them. Anything that's in the darkness is, is hurt. Some of you have been dealing with pain in joints and, and, and your legs or whatever it may be and you've gone to doctor after doctor and physical therapy after physical therapy and not once have you truly sat down and looked Jesus in the face and said, I believe you can do this. Some of you have been, been hoping that some, some deep, fancy religious person can actually fix it when really it's just Jesus and his relationship with you. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're to give some time for prayer. I, we've invited um, a couple people from the leadership team, some elders, and, and I'll be back there as well. Um, and we're going to have the band come up, and we're going to play some music. And there's nothing else on the agenda other than um, some of you needing to get out of your seat and heading to the back and getting prayer. Um, I would just, I guess, a couple things about this. First off, um, the last time we taught, this, uh, there were three things we took it from it. The first one of the healing was, if, you, if it's your will, God, you can heal. Some of you right now, you're gonna go back there and you're gonna pray for something and it's just not his will and you're not gonna understand that. God is not shaken by that, so I would encourage you not to be. Okay, I would encourage you not to be and still trust. Like, look, this, this woman went 12 years bleeding ceremonially ostracized from all of the community, spent all her money and all her wages trying to heal herself, all the doctors, everyone she turned to, and 12 years later, she touches the fringe of a robe of one man and she is healed instantly. 12 years. Blind man had to walk a good amount of distance chasing Jesus down. Some of you, I feel like you just, you feel like maybe you're afraid of being a broken record to a father that is so loving that we can't understand it. And so maybe you've asked, and you've asked, and you've asked. Well, maybe you ask again and again and again because the only one that can heal us is Christ. The only one that can heal us for our relationship problems is Christ. The only one that can heal us from our, from our addictions is Christ. All the other things out there, the church and, and these religious leaders and, 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 and effort and all this other stuff is, is good and that's great, but it's not the means. To the, it's not the end. It's not the solution. The solution is Christ. And so I would encourage you guys, as awkward as this may be, to go back and have some time for prayer. And let me tell you what's going to happen because it happens every time. Right now, some of you, right, your heart's like, it's like, can someone see this? My, my heart's pounding so hard and you're so nervous because you're like, if I get up, what, are the, what is the person next to me going to think? What's the conversation going to be like at lunch? Who cares? If Jairus could go and sit down and worship a man that, that was hated by his peers then you can get out of a comfortable chair in a church where you're not really feeling a lot of persecution and go be freed from the sin. Some of the people that that came up 11 weeks ago and prayed for, for stuff, actually, I have seen amazing things, relational changes. I've seen God rip people's hearts out and put them back together in a whole complete way that they never knew was possible. And so I know it's possible. Some of the people, you prayed 11 weeks ago and you're still wrestling with it. Keep praying, don't lose faith in that. Every single one of these things. You know what Jesus says? Your faith has healed you. Your faith. So maybe it's time for us to actually present ourselves to a God who is miraculous. To a God who is still capable of doing every single miracle out there. He can still bring people from the dead. He's not lost control up there. He's not, oh man, I, I don't even know what's going on. He's not got out on cruise control, just hoping, just buying his time. Like he's ever present with every single one of us. James 5 also tells us that there are times when you need to confess something. There are times, that he says, confess to one another and, and then be healed. And so I think there's some times where some of us really want to be healed from something, but we're holding on to this. You're going, I just, I can't, I can't let go of this because what happens if everyone knows about this? But, but I really need healing over here. It's, it's time to let go. I can tell you right now that the, the people that are back there are people that we've vetted. They're, they're healthy people. They're not going to just go talk about it to everyone. They're not, it's not like we're getting down in a meeting and be like, I can't believe you heard. Oh, wait, tell me more about this. Like, it's not a gossip chance. These are people that are just going to go right before you and before God and ask for him to do a miracle in your life. And so you don't have an excuse to get up, to not get up. You have plenty of reasons to get up. There's a chance, and this happened last time, there's a chance that there's going to be a little line of people back there because we didn't have enough people. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, and like I said, they're just going to sing. And some of you, you're like, man, I feel like I'm in a good spot. I don't feel like I have a relationship strain. I feel like, I feel like I'm kind of in the spot where God's brought me through all that. Then I would just encourage you to stand and worship the God that's brought you through that. Stand and worship Him because He is fully worthy, worthy of all of it. Maybe you sit and worship. Maybe you just need some time for prayer. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you could sit in your chair and pray for all the people that are willingly going back and saying, God, heal me. And you can actually pray for God to heal them. Because God hears every single one of our words. He knows our heart. It's a really unique situation to do. God ties community to healing. He ties other people into this. And so he's invited us into it. I want to invite you into it those of you that, that it need relationship help or addiction help or, or anything, I would encourage you to, to pray with these people. Don't stop there. You can ask any one of these people, will you help me through this? I can't, I can't beat this porn and I need to be free of it. Now, will you call me tomorrow and ask me how I'm doing? Invite us into this process. Help us invite others into this process because what I know of, I've seen of the last 11 weeks, once it's called to light, man, that darkness sure does lose a lot of power in your life. Amazing how it no longer can trick you. You can't, you don't believe the lies you used to believe. And let me tell you right now, you're thinking, some of you right now, you're if I go and share this, they're going to look at me different, they're going to think differently. That is a lie from the enemy. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. God is way bigger than your fears. It's time to have the faith that He could do so. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I want to thank you in advance for, for the The answer to prayer not because if any of these people that are back there praying are super holy or know the right words to pray but because we're confident in who you are and who you are in us lord and so god i pray right now as we come together as a church in a room full of people that are broken and beat up and and oppressed and in pain and in a maybe in a body that's just turned itself against them and it's just just eating away god i pray that you'd come in in a miraculous way You'd come in in a way that they couldn't say, Oh, when this one person prayed, they could come and they, When I finally surrender my life right to you, Christ, it's amazing what you did in me. And so, God, I pray that your will would be for everyone to be healed. I pray for your mighty work in every one of us. Lord, for those that are sitting in their chair going, Ah, you know, my shoulders are good. I've got a young body. I can still sleep on a floor and not be sore the next morning. God, would you, would you bring to mind the healing of, of relationships? or emotion, or oppression, or fear, or sin that we need to be healed from. And would they boldly come to you knowing that they can yell at the top of their lungs, they can worship you without any fear of what anyone else may think, because all that matters is our identity rooted in you and you alone. So I thank you for the healing, I thank you for your work, and I thank you for um, right now stirring in the hearts of every single person here. That needs to get up and i pray that you give them the confidence to get out of their seat we pray all this in jesus name amen